Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Rev with Rachel, where we recreate, enlighten, and vibrate in our radiance. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but just call me Rachel. This podcast is the place to learn about really feeling our emotions, mastering the mind, being aware of our energy, and tuning into our own intuition for the purpose of living in love, bliss, freedom, health, peace, and what I call our godly potential. I would love to stay connected with you. If you want updates about Rev with Rachel and living a Rev life, go to RevWithRachel.com and enter your name and email address. And you can also like Rev Life on Facebook. Today's episode is Be the Exception with Annie Meehan. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Yes, it's great to connect with you. I was telling you before the show, I saw you had donated um, in partnership with uh, another couple your books to a bunch of high school seniors. And I, I was reminded of you because I knew you through WOW a few, few years ago. But so I'm excited to share you and, you know, talk about your book, but especially about Be the Exception and Transformation. Yeah. Thanks for acknowledging. So important to me to uh, just pour into and honor teenagers right now. It's challenging for all of us, but those seniors, I just really wanted to make sure felt special and seen and valued in their um, course of life that has changed dramatically from where they expected. So Be the Exception is what I really believe. It's more of an invitation. This book is about you can be the exception. I can be the exception. It's not I am and you're not. It's we Mm -hmm. all can be the exception. Um, And it really comes from hearing so many people wanting to be experts at something. And I was like, I don't need to be an expert. I need to be the exception of where I came from to where I'm becoming. And then I Mm -hmm. want to invite others along on that journey. Oh, I love it. Um, So why don't you kind of start with your own story about how you came to be talking about be the exception and transformation? Yeah, well, I have always kind of dreamed I'd be a writer, but I have dyslexia and didn't even know how to read till third grade and really struggled um, with believing in myself, with believing in any ability. And so what I was writing actually for 20 years was a book called Dumpster to Dynasty. And that book was about growing up in a physical dumpster. My mother's a hoarder. She struggles with mental health, undiagnosed and untreated. And I'm the middle of seven kids raised by a single mom in that environment. So we had a dumpster house physically. We had an emotional dumpster because our house was filled with sadness and addiction and depression and darkness. And we had a dumpster, um, literally ate out of a dumpster and would go to the grocery store after they threw out food and grab food from the dumpster because we were so poor that we were unable to buy food. So I was writing Dumpster to Dynasty because Today, I, in my mind, I live a dynasty life. And what I mean by that is I grew up in a house I was never allowed to have, everyone, have anyone in or even come to the door. Mm-hmm. And today I invite people over all the time. I invite people to stay with us. We've had many teenagers live with us. And we've always had food on the counter, which people mm-hmm. make fun of me. But that was my dynasty. It was like, I just want a safe place to live and always enough food for our, our family, but enough to give beyond our family. So it's not that I think I'm the queen of England. It's that this dynasty lifestyle was about, for most people, what they would take for granted as shelter and food and love and security, I never Mm -hmm. had. So now not only do I have it, but I'm able to give it. 
Um, so that's where my writing kind of started and worked on for 20 years. But I was speaking at a women's conference and afterward, a publisher came up to me and she said, Annie, you got to write a book. And I said, well, I wrote this inspirational journal. And she's like, no, no, you got to write your story. And I said, oh, I am. It's called Dumpster to Dynasty. And she said, no, no, you're not. And I was like, <laughs> what? And she said, Annie, what's that about? I said, it's my memoir, my story of how I became. And she said, you are an amazing teacher. Teach us. How do we become? Whether we mm. walk through a death or a diagnosis or dysfunction or divorce, how do we come out of that? Not as people expect with bitterness and resentment and anger and frustration, but how do we come out better? How do we come out with joy? How do we come out positive? And not just positive, but generous. She said, you live of this place of generosity that most people think, why would I give? Nobody gave to me. So mm. show us what did you do over the course of you know, 30, 40 years to become who you are today with instead of worrying about what you didn't get, worrying about what you can give. Mm. How did you I love that. that. Thank you. Beautiful. And so what does be the exception mean? What I thought about it as I worked with the publisher was I don't want to give people another to-do list of what they need to do. I find that most people I meet um, feel overwhelmed. Their Mm. to-do list is never ending and they feel isolated. So I thought, how can I show people without saying do more? And Mm -hmm. what I kept coming back to me is don't do more, be more. And being more doesn't take more time. It just takes more intention. And so she would ask me a lot of questions. I give a lot of credit to my coach. I worked with Wise Inc. And she really coached me on how to write this book. And she said, what was the first thing you had to become, Annie, to become who you are today? And I said, honest. And so my first step or way of being is honest. And a lot of people say, well, Annie, I don't lie. I'm sure you don't. But what we do, all of us, is tell stories. And for me, I told myself stories and people told me stories. When I was four, Mm -hmm. my dad said, well, you're sexy. At least you have that because you're not going to ever be smart. You know, Mm -hmm. or I didn't know how to read or write well. So people would say, well, you'll never do anything with your life. You can't even read. You can't even write. You're poor. You're a ragamuffin. You're, you know, your family comes from dysfunction, addiction, depression, suicide, alcoholism. And so those were what I believe about stories is we have them. We all have them. And, and the stories usually have an element of truth in them. Like the truth is I did come from poverty. The truth is I do have a learning disability or difference. But what I say is what's the, what's the story? I am dumb. What's the truth? I struggle with reading differently than other people. But my big thing with to be honest is the next part. And that's what's the story? What's the truth? What do I want to say moving forward? And what I will say to people is I am strong. I am smart. I'm creative. I'm innovative. I still struggle with reading and spelling and I work on it, but it will probably be part of my, who I am my whole life. Um, And so the be honest is what is the story you're telling yourself that, that doesn't serve you. And, and in every story, there's a reward and a price. So I own gyms for 12 years and people come in. I can't lose weight. My whole family's always been overweight. We all have diseases, high blood pressure, diabetes. And the story, if that's the, your story is I'll never be healthy. The truth is you come from a family history of some health concerns, but moving forward, you can shift that to story to I, it might be harder for me to be healthy, but I can drink three glasses of water a day. I can join a gym. I can go for a walk. 
I can hire a personal trainer. I can learn new healthy ingredients. I can shift my habits. So I say in the 12 years I owned a gyms, I never helped anybody lose weight, but I help people change their mindset, change their self-talk and change their habits. And a side effect was weight loss. So my question to anyone out there is, what's the story you're telling yourself that isn't serving you anymore? Is it about relationships, your career, your health? And how could you rewrite that story and start putting more positive, more hopeful messages in your mind and in your words that ultimately will change your habits and therefore give you more positive results? Awesome. I love that you're speaking to that because that's the R in Rev with Rachel, the recreate. So the listeners who've been listening for a while um, are aware of that recreate, but that's, that's what it is. It's about recreate your story and then that translates into your life. What's next? The next step is a way of being is be open. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we discount people because they're too old. They're too young. They're a different race. They're a different nationality. They're, they're a different religion. And I really have looked back over my life and thought about, it came from somebody wanted me to be on a show called Genuine Hero. And I thought, I don't have a hero. I've never had a hero. But when you stay open to learning from every person you meet or teaching and just wondering, leaving judgment and statements behind, but instead leading with wonder and curiosity of like, hmm, I wonder what I could learn from Rachel. Hmm, she thinks different than me, but maybe we could learn something from each other. I think different than her or than him. Um, and really that be opens a lot about the people that have, um, I don't know that I would use hero. So I had to really look at what other words was it open and it was open to mentorship, open to teachers, open mm-hmm. to coaches, open to bosses. And really for me, what it came down to was who lit my path in all the very many, many dark moments of my upbringing. Um, Along the way, there was somebody who handed me a nickel or a butterscotch or a teacher who leaned over my shoulder. And when I still couldn't read in third grade said, hey, Annie, you're really good at math. And so the whispers of people, a lot of people have a mom or dad that their mentor or hero is. My father drank himself to death and my mother's still living, but undiagnosed mental health. And so she's never been available to be an encourager or Mm. to say she's proud of me or believed in me or... um, just anything really positive is not in her repertoire about herself or other people. And so I had to seek where can I find that encouragement and where can I learn to encourage myself as well? Um, I was really blessed that at 18, Oprah invited me to be on her show. And you know, that story I write about in the book and there's more details to it, but it was the week before she went national. So she was only in the Midwest, but she Mm. told us a piece of her story And she told me that I could be anything. And it was the first time that a woman looked at me and said something kind and said, I believe in you. Or, you know, there were whispers along the way, but literally she spent an hour looking at me and just pouring into me. And I think those, that unique moment that really I was not even in enough confidence at the time I met her to believe it, but about Mm -hmm. two years later to receive that and then wonder about, what would it look like if I really thought where I came from is not where I have to end up and what I've been told I am or I'm not isn't really a true story. And so just being open to mentorship, being open to encouragers, being open to being a mentor to other people, looking at what you've learned throughout your journey and asking yourself, I learned compassion from this person. 
who could I pour compassion into? Or I learned patience or listening or kindness. So that's what Be Open's about. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me of kind of making no assumptions or generalizations about others. That was kind of um, how you started about being open, but then, yeah, being open to growing and learning. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And the next way of being is be healthy. And I feel like mm. that is one of the most confusing, stressful <laughs> things in the world for people, right? And yeah. often when we say the word be healthy, we think about physical health. But for me, I really think there's six areas of health that I love to work with people on. I like to think about be healthy physically, yes. Be healthy spiritually. Be healthy emotionally. Be healthy mentally. Be healthy in our relationships. And be healthy in our finances. Because what I know is if any of those six are off or out of balance, it can make us physically sick, right? They, mm-hmm. they wear on our body, even if we don't talk about them. And so I love to encourage people to give themselves grace. I am not a believer in never. I can never do this. I can never do that. I always think, do I want less of this or more of this in my life? But mm-hmm. let's not be so black and white that we set ourselves up to beat ourselves up. And when we decide to make a shift in our life, it's excellent to get an accountability partner, a coach, a trainer, someone on our journey, whether it's Dave Ramsey with financial or a spiritual mentor, but I always say, remember, make sure you get someone that if you don't do what you say you're going to do, or you do what you say you're not going to do, they don't beat you up. Instead, they ask questions. So often in my example is I'll tell people I'm never going to be eat chocolate cake again. And then I'm in the front of the room and I say, okay, now I've told you all to be my, I've asked you all, invited you to be my accountability partner. First ask, make sure that person wants to be, but I've asked them to be, and I say, I'm never going to eat chocolate cake again. And you walk in the room and you see me eating chocolate cake. What do you do? And 95% of the time people say, why are you doing that? I thought you weren't going to do that. You shouldn't do that. And put their finger out at me. And Mm -hmm. I said, what happens in that story is that I would go, you're right. You're right. And I would put down my fork. I would slowly back away, grab the rest of the chocolate cake, go in the closet and eat it because they showed up in judgment. But if they would have said to me, hey, Annie, are you okay? Can you tell me how your day was? What's going on? And I could have said, I lost my job. I got a medical bill for $700. My kid got in another fight in school. My husband and I are fighting, whatever my story is. And in that moment, the only thing that would bring me comfort, I thought, was the chocolate cake. Mm. If we show up with that wonder and curiosity, we can support people better than in judgment, which just adds more shame and leads us to a closet of compulsive shopping, of overeating, undereating, of negative self-talk, of all of those things that don't serve us. And so when I think about healthy, I think about kindness and grace and honesty of where, where am I at financially, physically, emotionally, in my relationships? Am I being healthy with my friends and partners or am they being healthy with me? And what am I allowing language? So healthy to me embodies a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and is complicated to unfold and yet so important to take care of ourselves so we can show up our best. Yes, thank you for speaking to that. That's a, been kind of one of the pillars of the show, really. It has been because um, my background was in fitness and uh, exercise physiology research where it was so much just about physical activity and maybe a little bit about diet but um growing beyond that was kind of like no wellness is also about our emotions our mind our energy and spiritual 
you know, spiritual nature and all of that. So I love that you're speaking to that. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one it, way of being is be flexible. And uh, often I get hired to speak when a company's going through change, transition, uh, exciting change, sometimes big mergers. Often there's layoffs involved in the changes and they become mandatory meetings, which I always tell my hiring partner, you know, please don't call me mandatory, call me strongly encouraged, or it might be fun or come see what Annie has to say. But, but mm-hmm. I know that sometimes they are mandatory. And so some often there are um, furloughs and layoffs happening in companies or big changes with mergers. So they bring me in to talk about change and the be flexible for me was one of the easy steps in my journey. And partially because I had moved 83 times by the time I was 18. Oh I know my how gosh. to get lost. Wow. <laughs> I know how to make new friends. Uh-huh. I know how, in fact, it's a danger because I love making new friends all the time. And those people that are better, they're like, can we just be enough? Why do you need a hundred new friends? Like, I got to go. New so when I love my career, because that traveling piece, I'm with a new company in a new city, meeting new people. And I love it. And I love pouring into people because I, change doesn't scare me. It excites me. Mm-hmm. When you ask them, do you like change? We'll say, no, 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 I hate change. And I say, well, what if I offered you a promotion? How about a raise? How about somebody proposes to you that you're madly in love with, or you find out you're pregnant. You're... We like changes that we want and that we control. But if we stay open to all changes, even the ones we don't choose, one of my loves is showing people the silver lining, showing mm-hmm. people the silver lining when somebody dies that they love, showing them the silver lining when they lose a job, showing them the silver lining when a relationship ends, or even a health diagnosis of themselves or someone they love, there is silver lining in it if we stay open, if we show mm-hmm. up with wonder and curiosity rather than resistance and our arms folded and living in fear and this is going to go wrong. And, this. and sometimes those um, challenging moments are the things that wake us up to be fully alive. And for me, adapting to accepting my mother for who she is and who she will be um, allowed me and her a lot of freedom. I don't, I know I'm never going to be invited home for a meal. I know she's never going to bake me cookies or say I'm proud of you or whatever. And there isn't, I'm not saying that there aren't times that that hurts me or that I wish it was different, but when I kind of accept this is who she is and this is as good as it gets with her. So I can't control that. But what I can control we can't control or change other people. But what I can control is I became the mother I always wanted to have to mm-hmm. my children. And I got to have that relationship and bake those cookies and, and show them colleges and have all these moments and experiences that I always longed for as a kid. Now I get to give that to mm-hmm. my children and to their friends and be nurturing. And so um, the be flexible is a lot about accepting change, about being open to change, about not um, looking for what's wrong, but wondering what you might learn or what might come come good might come out of something challenging we walk through. So I talk a lot about uh, change and all the changes I've walked through and all the changes my clients have walked through and how they just feel so much happier and more joy when they own it and look for the good rather than just stay bitter and focus on the negative and what didn't work and mm-hmm. and what's missing. So... Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Like kind of the um, blessing after the break breakdown, you know, or the breakthrough after the breakdown. It's so important to kind of see those because it's so often there, but in the moment it it often doesn't feel that way, but 
um, if we can look in retrospect, then we can find it. Absolutely. Or ask somebody else for help. I had a man yelling at me after I spoke once, literally yelling. He showed up Mm. two days in a row to hear me three hours each day. It was a mandatory (laughs) conference and yelling at me about his wife dying and his wife being sick and his grandson and all these things. And he had a lot of valid points. I won't go into the whole story right now, but I do write about it in the book. And he ultimately what happened is after I listened to him and he went from anger to sadness. And then I kind of asked him if I could reflect back what I heard. He ultimately started telling me, and guess what else happened? And you know what else he's like? And he started finding his own silver lining. And sometimes we're so stuck in our pain or in our challenge that we've lost perspective of anything else. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's so important to have trusted advisors in our life and guides that can say to us, hey, you know what? What about, did you think about this? Are you open to hearing what I'm seeing? Are you open to thinking about it from this perspective? And they have to be willing and open. uh, But if they are, we, it's just a privilege to show people that there's beauty in change, even the change we don't choose. Uh, So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's be flexible. Love it. Yeah. And then the next um, way of being is be gentle. And I really find that the most critical person in most people's lives, even in teenagers' lives, the biggest bullies are often ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like someone might whisper something to us and then we just turn up the volume on it and amplify it and repeat it over and over and over again. And learning to be gentle with myself, I have not always made the best choices in my life and I've not always gone down direct paths or straight paths. I'm a high school dropout. I'm a college dropout. I uh, had to learn things a hard way in many ways. I had a few unplanned pregnancies before I was married. I placed a daughter for adoption. And all of those stories for me came with so much shame, so much regret, Mm -hmm. so much I'm not good enough. I'm not equal to. And when I sat in that place of measuring myself in comparison, it, it stole my joy. I believe comparison is the thief of all joy, not just some. I think it can literally suck the life out of us when we start comparing ourselves to other people and assuming the pieces of their life are better and easier. Um, And so what I learned is to be gentle with myself. You know what, how the adoption turned out with my sister adopted my daughter has not been as I dreamed and desired. So there's a lot of heaviness around that, a lot of sadness and oftentimes regret. And then I have to remind myself, you did the best you could in that moment out of love and concern for a life. Did it play out perfectly? No, but you did the best you could in that moment. Did you drop out of high school because you thought school was dumb? No, you dropped out of high school to support my little brother and work three jobs at Mm -hmm. 16 years old so I could give my brother a safe place to live because we didn't have a place to go. You know, I look back, did you drop out of college because you think education's dumb? Absolutely not. I love education. I'm a lifelong learner, but I was a mom and my priority was to spend time working and being available to my kids anytime I wasn't working. And so Mm -hmm. I think looking back over our lives with grace in our stories, in our struggles, um, in our choices and in what has happened to us is, was such an important part of healing to become the exception. Because if I stay stuck, which unfortunately some of my siblings have in judgment of themselves or our, our upbringing, it's easy to get caught up in addiction. It's easy to get caught up in depression. It's easy to stay hopeless. And for me, part of that gentleness was saying that was, I was, but today I am. And so when I teach people to be the exception, it's about what part of your 
story, your life? Are you still judging someone else for how they treated you or yourself for how you treated you or something you did or didn't do? Can we, can we soften that? Can we mm-hmm. just accept that was at that moment, but today's a new day and you get to decide how you'll show up today and how you'll live. Today. Oh my so- gosh. I love that message and story. I mean, it's, and it's really true too, when we're gentle and compassionate with ourselves, we're able to offer that to others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because as we sit in judgment of ourselves, we just become jud- judgmental. Well, they think they're better than me and they did this and I did this and that. And you get, it's like a cycle. And mm-hmm. that's what Be the Exception is really about breaking the cycle of where we come from, of what doesn't serve us, of what stories bring us down rather than bringing us up, of how we're going to show up, how we're going to live each day patient, positive, calm, clear, just being this person. I long, I long to be around a person like that. So I long to become that person to be around other people. Right. And so, um, yeah. Love it. Okay. Be gentle. What's, what's the next one? <laughs> I love Number all six. of these. Wow. Thank, thank you. Number yeah. six is be courageous. Take risks, take risks and fail, take risks and fall, take risks and make a fool of yourself. Take risks and laugh. Um, and really be courageous comes from in 99, a girlfriend told me I needed to lose weight. I had gained 95 pounds with my last baby. And I, I basically doubled my weight because even though on stage I'm six foot, in real life on a good day, I'm five two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she called me and she said, we need to lose weight. Let's do this bike ride. And I was like, yes, hung up the phone and told my husband, he's like, why are you so happy? I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose some weight. He's like, well, what are you doing? I go, I'm going on a bike ride. He's like, um, honey you don't even own a bike. Not good with details, Rachel. Not good with details. (laughs) He said, you better call her back and ask her what you're doing. I said, okay. I called her back. She said, oh, we're going to ride our bikes from Minneapolis to Chicago, sleep in a tent for six nights, ride over a (laughs) hundred miles a day for six days to raise money for AIDS. Mm. I did not own a bike. I had never slept in a tent. I had ridden four miles in my life and I didn't know anyone with AIDS. And Mm. we had to raise a minimum of $2,500 to do it. Again, I don't have time for the whole story, but I do write about this in the book as well. Uh-huh. But um, what I want to say is that ultimately what I learned, what I love to teach people is be courageous, sign up for something that's not just about you. It's great that people do marathons and do this and do that, but do something with the cause, whether you mm-hmm. know about the cause or care about the cause or whatever, because what happened that day, that, that week, that six months for me is that I learned that often we get up every day and say, what's in it for me? What am I going to eat? Where am I going to go? Who's going to hire me? Me, mm-hmm. me, me. And that, and you can have a really good life doing that. And, and we should live grateful lives and we should write down what we're grateful for every day. But when it's all about me, what I get, whether I'll lose weight or not, whether I'll be seen, whether I'll be celebrated or clapped for, you, you kind of get stuck on a good life. But if you decide to get up every day and say, I wonder how I could bless someone else's life today. I wonder how Mm -hmm. I could listen to someone, repeat a story, be patient, let someone in, buy someone a cup of coffee, smile at someone that looks grumpy, ride your bike from Minneapolis to Chicago and be open to learning about a disease you know nothing about. And especially in 99, people were so harsh and so judgmental of that disease. The girl that talked me into doing it um, quit. But ultimately what I learned just days before the ride was that ride was not about me and it was not for me and it was not about weight loss. It was about all the people that had passed away in shame and judgment and that were parents were afraid to share their story. 
because they'd already lost a child, let alone on top of that, have people judge how they died. Mm. And the be courageous for me today is about what can I do every year, whether it's an MS ride or a breast cancer walk or an AIDS ride or a 5k for kids or homelessness or mental health or a suicide walk. What I've learned is that when I'm courageous and do something I don't think I can do, I don't even have the tools to do, but I get over myself and I wonder what a difference it'll make in someone else's life. It is, it is a blessing that keeps on blessing. Being courageous is about being brave and saying yes, even when you don't know, but being courageous is also about living beyond yourself. It's about Mm -hmm. saying, how can I be a difference maker in this world today? And, And I have one sister, she always says to me, why are you nice to people? Why do you want to help people? Like nobody helped us. Nobody did anything for us. Like, and trust me, she goes through every day so sad, so angry, so unhappy. I said, because it makes me happy. Maybe it's selfish in a way because doing something for someone else brings me joy because I love going on mission trips. I love looking for a cause of a place I've been or a place I'll never be and thinking, how can I give? And maybe it's time, maybe it's money, maybe it's a challenging thing like a bike ride, but I love to teach audiences be courageous and look beyond yourself. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think of that, um, you know, getting out of our comfort zone concept. But um, one of the things I realized for myself was like, just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Absolutely. (laughs) And courageous, you know, I've had to be the one to speak up and say something or do something. And, um, you know, it's, it's transforming to say the least. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I mean, I have a, a number of sayings that I say a lot, uh-huh. either out loud or in my head, but one is you've been blessed to be a blessing. And exactly what you just said, Rachel, I get myself in sticky situations. Sometimes my head's like, what are you doing? But I can't not speak <laughs> up if yeah. somebody's being hurt or violated or disrespected. I, I have been blessed that I'm therefore have the privilege to bless other people you know, mm-hmm. and I think you speaking up and being brave, even when we're uncomfortable, even when we're scared, even when someone disagrees with us, maybe you're the voice for the voiceless until they find their voice. And that's always my hope is I was voiceless and invisible for many years, mm-hmm. you know, many years and hopeless. I literally didn't even want to live the first 20 years of my life. Like I just I felt like nothing was possible or good. Mm-hmm. And today I look and I think, oh, I wish someone would have whispered into that little girl you are seen, you, you will be seen, you are heard, you do matter, there is hope. And I think I look back and that's what part of my big desire with my writing and speaking is, I know every time I speak or write something, it does speak into a life of someone who feels very hopeless and very unseen or unheard or that they're stuck or that mm-hmm. like they shouldn't dream or they shouldn't believe in good about themselves or the world. And that's not a true story. And so I just like to help people rewrite that and yeah. 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 Oh, beautiful. Good for you. Now, what number are we on now? We're on the final. Oh, we're are on, we? We're, okay. We're at the end. Yeah. We, <laughs> um, and that's good. Uh, number seven. And this mm-hmm. was such an important one to me to close with. The beginning was that be honest, but the, the final way of being is be authentic. Be you. Be mm-hmm. you with your messy. Be you with your silly. Be you with your not getting it right be you with your failures and your flaws, be you. Because I, they call me authentically Annie, but it's be, <laughs> it's be authentic, be you. Because I literally spent the first half of my life wanting to be like anyone else and actually to be my best friend, Debbie. 
She was Mm. beautiful. She was smart. She got straight A's. She was athletic. You know, I mean, she, she had, she had a mom and dad that both loved her. She had dinner at five o'clock every night. She was best friends with her dad. Like for me, those were Mm. like, are you kidding me? Is this real? I want to be you. And tragically, my dear friend, Debbie was drinking and driving right after college graduation and died. And it was such a wake up for me is that I'm not meant to be Debbie or Rachel or Susan or Tom or Julie or Bob or anyone. I'm meant to be me. And even if someone looks on the outside or on social media, that they have the perfect marriage and the perfect house and the perfect kids and the perfect life and the perfect career and the perfect health, everybody has a story and a struggle. Mm -hmm. And the world needs you. The world needs you and you and you. It needs all of us to show up authentically ourselves with all of us, our wonderful, our messy, our complicated, our confusing, and our real selves with all the gifts and talents we have to bring to the world, but hustle with all the things that are different than other people. Mm-hmm. And so that was really an important uh, way of being that I wanted to show people, be you. Don't try to be me. Then when people say to me, I want to be like you, I say, okay, how about you be like you? And maybe I can show you some ways to do some things I do, but don't, don't be me. Yeah. Be you. We need you. And so be authentic. Be true to yourself. Don't compare yourself. Live each day by choice, not by chance or by circumstance. Don't let those define you. You define you. You get up and decide how you're going to show up. And even if it's hard or challenging, which it will be, keep being mm-hmm. you. And even if everyone doesn't like you, keep being you. Because the right <laughs> people will, right? Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. And it's so liberating when we can find that within ourselves to really truly accept and embody who we are and get comfortable in our own skin and all of that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, any other thoughts you want to speak to? Um, I just wanted to say, you know, I love to meet new people. And so if anyone wants to connect with me, um, I love to do, a, I offer a free 30 minute Q and A about what is coaching, what is consulting like with Annie. And I also offer twice a month, I do something called a choose letter. I didn't want to do a newsletter cause I don't watch the news. Mm. I don't really think we need more news, but if you're <laughs> interested in my choose letter twice a month, I send you a story and then I send you questions because you have a choice of how you deal with life and the stories that come our way. And so my choose letter comes out twice a month. And if people are interested in that, Um, It's full of questions and encouragement and ideas um, to just support you on your journey through life. And um, you just go to my website, which is Annie Meehan, just my name.com. And there's a place that says, would you like a choose letter? And you put your name in and then twice a month, you'll get an email. Um, Otherwise I do have books and online courses and workbooks um, and consulting. If people are interested in learning more or working with me or reading some of my books, uh, I have written five books and three workbooks. The most recent is The Pineapple Principle, and it's about the three principles to live by um, so we can all be a pineapple. We can be the exception, and we can be a pineapple, and it is my joy <laughs> to encourage people. So Awesome. Oh, my gosh. I loved this. I mean, such an important message for living, um, you know, in, in an exceptional life and kind of shifting and transforming our experience and our inner world. I mean, such good nuggets for all of the seven steps. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me, Rachel. It's really been fun to be here and just think about, you know, I don't always review my books and the like, just to go back. Why did I write this and why it matters? It came out in 2000, 
2016, yeah, and won a national award in the category of self-help in 2017. Awesome. I, I love that people are reading my words and my work so that to help them on their journey. Cool. I love it. Thank you again. This has been you, such a treat. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Hey, Rev with Rachel listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. It's a pleasure to share these important life transforming and healing topics with you. As always, remember to Rev, recreate, enlighten, and vibrate. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, be love. EWN Podcast Network.